If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You are about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Oddcast. I have a very special guest this week. I've been waiting to talk to him for like a few weeks. We were on the uh, Union of the Unwanted, and and uh, there was something about him. I was like, I want to talk to that dude. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Sam put us together in touch with each other, and so we're doing a show. So introducing Michael One. What's up, Michael? Uh not much, you know, it's like a slow, sleepy night here. So, so I'll, this was my, my focal point of the day. So I'm, I'm excited to be here, but like the, 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 the weather and the mood out here in Pennsylvania is a little bit kind of like, you know, overcast. And so I, I, I think I'm going to bring a little bit of that. Like normally I could be really high, high up real fast, but I think this is going to be a, a really smooth conversation, like a really kind of moving at that speed. And I'm excited. I'm super excited to be here. Very cool, man. Yeah, it's been, uh, well, actually here, uh, I, I'm in Tennessee and man, it was so nice yesterday. It was in the, the, the lower seventies. And then today it's like in the forties and it's rained all day long. It hasn't stopped. Yeah. So it's kind of a bummer, but, uh, I was thinking, man, I was like, wow, you are the fourth guy in just the like last five podcasts I've talked to who lives in Pennsylvania. 
So, and I didn't know it at first, you know, so I was like, wow, this is kind of a weird kind of coincidence there. But, uh, wow. The, uh, yeah. It's, it's funny because someone sent me an email today talking about like, or th- this guy's from New York. He's like, what's going on in Pennsylvania? And he like gives a list of all of these people who are like coming out in Pennsylvania, like with, with, with information. And so it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> I certainly have some thoughts, but where in Tennessee are you? Where in Tennessee are you? I'm in Knoxville. Eastern in Knoxville. Yeah. Okay. I drove through there for the first time, um, for the first time, uh, uh, ever. I don't think I've ever been in Tennessee before. And so I was going to Chattanooga. And so, uh, yeah. we went through Knoxville and Chattanooga is something. Uh, so what was crazy, like it was, it was last, it was probably like last July 1st is right before the 4th of July. Maybe it was even right after the 4th of July. It was in that first week was last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Pennsylvania just put down like, you know, you're not allowed to leave the state or if you're going to come back, like all that stuff like that was like that was being pumped in the public consciousness at the time. And so uh, me and my lady, we go and we take a trip down to um, we take a trip down to Tennessee. We have to go and see some family in Chattanooga. And I live in Lancaster and a big part of like the 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 telling of the Susquehanna mystery and, you know, knowing that you have no idea what I'm even talking about. It deals with the significance of Lancaster, um, Lancaster uh, City and its history. And so Lancaster City is probably like, you know, uh, most notorious uh, piece of historical um you know, happenstance is the fact that it's the home to James Buchanan and James Buchanan is like, you know, if, if you were to go ask like a thousand historians, you'd be like, like, Hey, you know, who do you think the best president is? And you're going to get like a, everyone's going to give you a different answer. They're like 10 different people who they argue about whatever. But if you were to say like, who's the worst president, it is unified. It is always unified. They're always like, Oh, it's James Buchanan. It's James Buchanan. And so like, if you look at it in terms of like focal energy, like this guy's got like more focal energy than anyone else. And the reason why, the reason why, he is um he is always said to be the worst president because it was under his watch it was under his watch that the that the uh the tensions in the united states reached a boiling point and then it was immediately after he stepped down as president that the civil war broke out and so he's the guy who like gets blamed in the civil war um it was much deeper than that but anyway and and really weird too like francis bacon weird but the point i'm trying to all of this is going somewhere all of this is going somewhere so the time when we left the time when we left it was like it was palpable there's like the rioting and like that you can't leave the state and like you can sense you're like you know how much are these people going to be able to take and they were really pumping on the media at this time like oh yeah civil war is going to break out yeah civil war is going to break out so i have this in my mind because i see things in terms of cycles and i look for patterns and i'm like and this is really personal because i know a lot about james buchanan uh, particularly as it relates to civil war and like you know what that does to civilization and so forth so i'm like wow wow, you know, this is, this is coming up again. And like, is this going to manifest all this sort of stuff? So that's in my head. I'm driving down and that's in my head. And um, we decided to stop midway. We decided to stop midway and um, we're going to go and stay like in an Airbnb. And, uh, oh, I can't even think of the name of the town, but I know you're going to know it. I want to say the first, the first word is green and it's in the uh, north. It's a small town, but it's off of whatever the main road is, highway, which I'd go through it. Green, 
uh, it, it'll it'll come to me. But we random we we picked that for one reason. Like we found the right Airbnb, found the right mm-hmm. Airbnb. It was like it was a like a like a farm where they like fixed up historical like buildings and made them kind of or, or like uh, uh, historical. What not a bar. Uh, the, it wasn't a barn, but it was like a cabin, I guess, from like a couple hundred years ago, but they made it really modern. It was like everything about it was perfect. So we're like, this is where we're going to go. So we go there. We go there purely out of happenstance, you know, like no planning. And I've got all this Civil War stuff going on in my head. James, James Buchanan and this tiny little town in Tennessee, this tiny little town in Tennessee. Uh, we want to go get like real Tennessee barbecue. And so it's like, we're like, that was it. We're like, this is a real small town. Where's their, where's like their barbecue place. So we go into town to get the barbecue place. And when we go into town, like I I decided to type up into like the Wikipedia, give me the Wikipedia history of the town. And the town is the home. The town is the home of the person who succeeded Abraham Lincoln. Once he was assassinated. I think his name is Andrew. Is it Johnson? It was Andrew Johnson's home. So I'm coming from, from, from Buchanan's home. (laughs) All of these things are going on. Like, you know, in in, in like real life in my head, for whatever reason, this Airbnb finds us. And then it's like, oh yeah, this is like the, this is like the bookend of the, of the, of at least that, that particular storyline within history. And so, uh, I don't know. I think Tennessee is kind of an interesting place for me. So it's, it's fun for me to go and, 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 and talk to you or speak to anyone who's from Tennessee. I got a really kind of <laughs> nice vibe going on with that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think that would be green County or Greenville. It might be Greenville. It might be Greenville. I mean, I could probably yeah. find out in a second, but I'm not going to yeah. go and split my time. But yeah, it's like, you know, you just type in that guy's hometown, Andrew, Andrew Johnson. Andrew Jackson's the guy with the spiky hair. It looks like he's from a Scooby-Doo episode, like the bad guy. Like that's <laughs> right, what he looks right. like to me, at least. Yeah, that's a good way to, to describe him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Andrew Johnson, I, I couldn't even tell you what he looked like, so... I, just I didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Like I never knew, like all of this was like Christmas day. I was like, what? I never occurred to me that there was a president. There was a vice president that, you know, you think of Grant or at least I do, you know, I think Lincoln mm-hmm. and Grant and like, you know, Oh yeah. There's someone in between. And I read it. I'm like, Oh yeah. I kind of think I knew this in like high school, but, and then to go and look, you're right. He's like one of these forgotten names or written over names, which, um, you know, or, or, uh, I always go where, where they tell you not to look, but that's me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Chattanooga is cool too, man, because of the mountains and all the trails and, and some cool little dive bars and breweries and stuff like that down there. It's, it's a kind of a neat place because you've got the small city, but then the mountains are like right there. So, Oh yeah. And, and like the land of it, the land mm-hmm. of it is so, I mean, one of the things which I like to do is, is you look at what occurs on a particular spot and you'll get like an indication as to its quality. And so when you see like places that are like um, continuously have like something like big occur. So, I mean, that was like, like it was the beginning of like the trail of tears was in, was in Chattanooga. Like it was a holy sacred area. Um, You know, all of Tennessee is like all of the mounds are indications of the significance of that area. And so Chattanooga, what put it on the map, though, was like two lawyers who figured out how to bottle and ship Coca-Cola. 
And you like think it like Chattanooga was built on Coca-Cola money. Like some guy like came up in Atlanta with the with like the the the, the formula, but it was more or less like stuck in in Atlanta. Like unless you're at like a like one of the I guess one of those old fashioned soda bars, like they had to like mix it on there because they couldn't keep the carbonation in like a in a in any sort of bottle for any t- type of time. So these two guys from Chattanooga, they figured out like, you know, oh, this is how you do it. And they all they they came to the guy from Coca-Cola and they're and they're like, hey, uh, we, we'd like to buy the 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 rights to your formula. And the guy's like, uh, why? He's like, oh, we're going to ship it all over the world. He's like, that'll never happen. I'll sell it to you for a buck. And so they got <laughs> the rights for a buck. And then these two guys like turned Coca-Cola into like what that is today. And I mean that in every single sense of the implication of what it is today. And but like that's from the same spot. And that's a big energy. And it's also like a behind the scenes energy because everyone knows the Atlanta story, but no one really knows that. Like, you know, there's nothing like mm. sexy about like bottling and distribution, but that was the key. And mm. energetically or symbolically, or like, you know, from that mystical perspective, like that's indicative. Like this, this, that spot is tied to that. It's behind the scenes, but you're going to feel it all over the globe. Yeah, that's right. And it's, I think there was a, a civil war battle fought up there uh, on the mountain too. I, I know we were going to go see the site, but something happened. Maybe it was closed that day or something, but uh, yeah, a lot of history there, man, for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, cool, man. We were talking uh, before we started recording about this, uh, this cool book, man, that tells you a lot of cool secrets, Masonic secrets about Washington. And uh, so I think we're going to talk a little bit about that, huh? Uh, yeah, well, it was good. man, I'm just telling you stories, but I love to tell stories, but oh, I, I, love, I try to, I, I try, stories. I try to keep them entertaining and try to leave something good in. So what yeah. I was telling you, you made the point and you're like, you know what? I've never like, you know, I've had this book for a while and like, I see it, but I've never actually read it. And that's not like a reading type of book. That's a book. Would you like, you go through it and it's fun. Like when you first get it and you look at the pictures, but when you're ready to like, when you have a topic, when there's something which you're like, okay, I need to go and find out more about this. Like that's a reference material. Like, it's one of the best reference materials. And uh, and I want to parlay this into what I think, you know, from my own personal experience. And I think you might appreciate this also is like it's been on my bookshelf. I've never read another like really important reference material is uh, the secret teachings of all ages. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I had that book for I had that book for years. Like I looked through it. I'm like, I'm not going to read this. Like, you know, it's it's like there was nothing like maybe I read a chapter, but I'm like, it's just uh, it's not going to it's it's not going to be the book I'm going to read. It just is not. Mm-hmm. But then when I got into a lot of the research on the Susquehanna mystery and particularly as it related to um the Rosicrucians. I found that book to be like, I mean, everything I needed to get started was found in that book. And so like a lot of these books, and this is, this is why I'm telling the story. This is why I'm telling the story. It's because a lot, a lot of us, like, you know, listeners, you, me, like we get these things that come to us, these books, we know that we're like, all right, you know, I got it. There was a, there was a desire for the, to have this, but then you know, you don't read it like at some point, And I think we're coming to that time right now where, you know, particularly I would imagine if you're listening to the show or you or me, like you like to get to the bottom and understand what's what's happening in the world. It's like that's when these books are invaluable. You go to that book then and that's when you find the stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one. This is a fascinating. I think it's fascinating. I'm going to tell you one story and then I'll and then I'll pass the mic back. Um, so this was like 
like four years ago, five years ago. And um, it was maybe even longer than that, maybe six years ago. So the year before uh, my wife and I of 15 years, we split up like I I was ready for that relationship. Like that relationship ran its course. And unfortunately, like that ended and that was okay. But I was unprepared for the fact that my life was going to change the, to the degree. Like I was like, I was going to divorce my wife, but not my life. And so I went through this period. If anyone's ever been in a situation like this, where like, you know, it feels like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. So like I went through this year and like, it was like, uh, it was, you know, in hindsight, it was a spectacular year, but like in the time, like, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't an enjoyable time. So this is, this is my first birthday. It's my first birthday. I was born in December. And it's like, you know, right after Thanksgiving and like, you know, I was alone in this apartment. I've had all this really interesting stuff going on in my life at the time. Like, like, but at the same time, like the, my birthday night, I was all by myself. First time I think I've ever been by myself uh, on my birthday. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not one to get like, you know, to feel sorry for myself, but I'm like, if there's going to be a time to feel sorry for yourself, <laughs> this is it. So I'm, I'm, it's, I don't know, it's like five o'clock. It gets dark really early. And uh, I get a text from a buddy of mine. He's like, Hey man, uh, I've got some friends who um, they're going to be driving through your town. I lived in a small little river town on Pennsylvania, around the Susquehanna river. And, uh, he's really into history. Do you think like, you know, you could just share like 15, 20 minutes of your time, 15, 20 minutes of your time and uh, just give him the tour. He'll find it fascinating. Cause I love to, you know, I like to tell stories and I like history. So I go and I tell, so I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, it's, I'm like, of course it's my birthday night. I've got to do something. So this guy picks me up. It's him and his two children. They were both uh, probably high school, a boy and a girl and they're homeschooled. And he's driving around. They just came from like some trip. And I was just like really, really impressed by, you know, everything which I set, which I was witnessing, like, you know, from the kids to like the way the, the dynamic between them and the father and like, and I'm telling them this stuff and they're like loving it and everything's great. And then at the very end, the guy goes to me, he's like, Hey man, uh, we're about to get dinner. You gave us, you know, some of your time. Can we take you out to dinner? And I'm thinking, they don't know it's my birthday. And I'm like, of course you're taking me out for my dinner. It's my <laughs> birthday. This is what I need. So we go out to dinner and we're like talking, we're having a good time. And uh, then he's like, oh, he's like, wow, wow, man. Um, I got something in my, in my car and I've been traveling around with it for, I don't know, for so long. And it's a book and um, I'm, I'm never going to read it, but, but I, th- I think this book is for you. I think this book is for you. Like he wasn't that type of guy to talk like that, but like he was feeling very strong. And I'm thinking, I'm like, of course it is. It's my freaking birthday. I need to get a present. So the guy goes and he comes and gets the book. And so this is about, I want to say like I started all the research on the Susquehanna mystery, like in the March, April timeframe. And this is the December of that year. And I told you before that I did the, the majority of the foundation of it came from uh, uh, this, this reader's edition of um, The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly T. P. Hall. And if you're not familiar with it, it looks like, you know, a phone book, like it's thick. Mm-hmm. And I also knew it was the reader's edition. And I'm like, when they call it the reader's edition, they're saying like, hey, we took out the good stuff. It's, it's good for you, Barnes and Noble fans, but like, you know, you're not going to get like the good, good stuff. So anyway, so I've always had that in the back of my mind. So this guy comes back from his car and I think you probably can imagine where I'm going to go with this story. And he hands me this book 
And it's like one of these like anniversary, uh, beautifully leather bound, uh, um, like the original plates of what the original version of, uh, of the uh, book, I think came out in 1928, mainly P. Hall's book. And he hands it to me and he's like, I think this is yours. And I'm like, he had, I've been thinking about it leading up to it. Like, just like, just curious. I'm like, I wonder if there really is stuff that's taken out. And, and then this guy hands me this book on my birthday after the whole thing. And so it's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you can't make these stories. Up. I mean, I guess you can make these stories up, but that story's not been made up. Yeah. That's definitely fate, man. For sure. Absolutely. And I think I've seen the the edition that you're talking about or one of those. And it's like this beautiful, beautiful book. And it's like that thick. And yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I don't have that one. I, you know, and so weird, man. I was uh, in this other town uh, about 100 miles away uh, just a couple of days ago. And I went to this used bookstore and they had it. And I almost bought it, but I bought a different book instead. But I was just like, it's so thick, you know, I'm like, if I get that, will I read it? And I was like, well, I'll probably bounce around to different parts of it, but uh, you make me want to get it now. I'll have to put that on the list. What book is it? You got me all my curiosity, Pete. Oh, the book that I got uh, instead. So it's uh, the, I think it's called The Secrets Behind Mossad. And uh, I don't know. It's just one of those, uh, I thought it sounded cool and I've never seen a book really about that. It's got good ratings, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, would, I, I, I love the used bookstores. I mean, there's nothing oh, from yeah. nothing more, more like that feels like the 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 roulette's wheel of life. Like when you walk into a used bookstore, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that is fun, man. Yeah, and we we went to a used bookstore in Nashville a couple of years ago, and I have never been in a bookstore that had so many cool books in my life, the kind of books that you and I would love. It was so many books that, uh, you know, I had to leave before I spent every penny that I didn't have. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love those used bookstores, man. You can find so much good stuff. There's a, um, they do this annual library sale um, where I live and probably like the size of like an auditorium, just like filled with tables. And there are, I, I don't even know how to go in and estimate the, the, the number of books there are, but there are, I have, I would imagine over a hundred thousand books and they're just all used books and they're being sold for like paperbacks for like 25 cents and paperback and hardbacks for, for more. But the selection of books there is so like, it, it's so mind boggling. Like you're like, where, who are these people who, where these books are coming from? <laughs> and so it used to be one of the highlights of my year. Like it would happen once a year. And I'm like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Like people bring shopping carts, like 50 bucks will get you a hundred books. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, and that is like that, those experiences, like with, with like information, like, you know, whatever a book is, you know, whatever, like, you know, however you want to go look at it, like, you know, a book is like a high concentration of, of, of information. And if you're susceptible to be like picking up that sort of stuff, like, you know, there's, there's. I don't know. I don't think there's anything more, more tantalizing than, than like a big selection and particularly with the randomness of like what you find in used bookstores and stuff like that. So you don't necessarily get in a really well curated um, box bookstore. 
Right. Yeah. Cause those, those big chains, you know, they just have these cookie cutter books and you can hardly find anything really good in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Yeah. You know, I was, I was in, I've only, I've been to Washington twice uh, and I, it was later in life, just like the last 10 years. And the first time it was so cold. I really wanted to look around at some of the, you know, some of the more esoteric symbolism and stuff like that. But I mean, it was just bloody cold. So I didn't get too much of a chance. And then the second time I went back and it was just me and my wife, we didn't have the kids and it rained the entire time. We were there for four days, but we said, to hell with it we're just going to walk around in the rain anyway because it wasn't cold and we saw a lot of the cool symbolism you know i tried to take some pictures i dragged her to the uh, albert pike memorial which she thought i was crazy at the time she's like what are you taking me to it was just pouring the rain but then we got there and the statue was even bigger than i thought and she was like whoa this guy must have been a big deal and i'm like i told you so we took (laughs) we took a bunch of pictures and and now she's she's kind of into it. She she knows who he is and everything like that. But um, I think it was worth it in the long run. But yeah, man, the symbolism is unbelievable. And like you, you're from the Keystone State, and I didn't realize that that had, you know, symbology with Freemasonry until a couple of years ago. I heard uh, I heard a Freemason describing the Keystone State was basically like your um, your uh, basic. Uh, what's what's the stone i'm trying to think of your cornerstone basically kind of like your cornerstone so i thought that was pretty cool because that state also has quite a bit of masonic symbolism so um have you ever looked into that at all because i have Uh, definitely definitely i mean uh pennsylvania is 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 overflowing with masonic like it is it is the masonic state i mean uh the keystone is in in an archway so like going back to like the actual freemasons like you know, like people stone workers and they used to keep trade secrets like you know that's where it comes from this is a trade secret we're going to let you into our brotherhood we're going to tell you the secrets of our brotherhood and uh you can't tell anyone them because by us holding this information then it, it allows our services to be valuable like you know that's kind of like how these old ancient orders were and so the the freemasons were their their biggest secret was the building of the arch how do you build an arch like all these people like how do you build those arches freemasons they're like yeah i can't tell you and so what the secret was was the keystone what the keystone is is it's you know it's the it's the stone that the builder rejected and it is um it's trapezoidal it's trapezoidal, which is the silver ratio is trapezoidal. Um, and uh, what it does is like it slides in and allows like the two sides, like the two pillars, which would be standing upright and they collapse in. And then before they like collapse, they're then like held together by the keystone. So the keystone, like like mystical, the keystone is mystical. And it's like our, our practical secret and all these different sort of things is the keystone, but everything is symbolic in uh, particularly when we're talking about speculative Freemasonry, right? You know, the practice of it. So um, every, uh, the, the Freemasons who we know of, who were involved with, with the, uh, the, the establishment of, of the colony system in the United States, like, you know, they were, they were very, very, um, prominent within within pennsylvania and so when you see pennsylvania having the the nickname of the keystone state 
you know, and there's all these like great explanations. Oh, it's, you know, it's right in between the North and the South and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, no, these are friggin' Freemasons. Like they're the ones who come up with this. They've got their own language. This is like, they're saying that this is, this is the magical. And it's funny because you brought this up, um, you know, like what's going on in Pennsylvania, but like, that's what at least the symbology is. And so we think about Pennsylvania right now, particularly if you like, think about, you know, when we think about right now of, um, like a modern person. And if they're going to be open to the idea of like, you know, wow, there's like powerful earth energies in certain places and the mind is going to go, the mind is most likely going to go somewhere in the Southwest, you know, these really striking sort of things like that's, that's it. And that's, we, we talked about this a little bit before uh, earlier, about you know, looking where you're not supposed to look. I'm like, well, that's where you're supposed to look. And I'm not, you know, it's not a competition. Like it's, it's like, that's the, that's the duality thinking. It's like, no, it's not better or worse. It's like recognizing like, like the scenario of where we find ourselves living. And so all of the clues, the Pennsylvania wilderness, like when you start to understand what it was uh, and everything about it, then you can you can understand, particularly from a, a, a mystical perspective, which is where this naming is coming from, uh, you know, it was the, the holy experiment is was was Pennsylvania. But like the naming of it being the keystone, um, we could at least begin to 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 imagine the implications of what that's trying to suggest, like, you know, why is this? this this area called that yeah that's that's so interesting man because i'd never thought of that of course before i wouldn't have known you know any reason to think of it until i heard that freemason talking about it because i really didn't i'd never even looked into what a keystone was you know so it didn't even mean anything to me and i'm like what, what's this guy saying here and and then i started listening and you know and then he started talking about the lone star state and the implications with freemasonry in texas and then you know it just goes on and on you know our, our whole country all of the of, state names yeah, like everything yeah. like it's like everything comes like the, the the foundation the structures the stuff which we take for granted like you know like you know it's it is uh, all of our phrases it comes from like kind of the the same group now, you know, what exactly that the, the, the question then should be like, you know, is like, well, what and whom is this group and what does this mean? And, and uh, you know, I don't necessarily suggest that you, you throw the baby out with the bathwater. You say, like, let me go and investigate this. Let me go see see what this is saying. Like there's there's it's a it's a very, very complex topic, in my opinion, uh, Freemasonry. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I mean, it's kind of an endless uh it's kind of an endless study, it, you know, it seems like to me because they've had so much time to like, like if you did read different Masonic authors, a lot of them have different ideas about even the, you know, the, the beginnings of Freemasonry or what this or that means. So it's kind of like uh, there's been so many uh, different legends built upon it. And, uh, you know, they kind of build off of that and then newer generations it they came in and kind of built off that and built off that. So it's kind of like this, you know, endless journey, but it's, it's very fun and um, interesting. And, you know, I, I think that uh, probably the, as far as the language, I, I, I've, I've never really delved deeply into it and I want to eventually, but um, I assumed that our, our English language probably, um, has something to do with Kabbalah and the Kabbalists and, and I don't know, I, I just seems like with the language and, and the, 
numbers versus the letters and how they work everything into gematria and stuff like that. I've always kind of figured that a lot of our language comes out of that, but I don't know. I'm not smart enough to. Uh, I would say without a doubt, 100% and to degrees which we can't even comprehend because we're so immersed in it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if, if you, it's like a fish trying to understand water, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like on a certain level, it understands it like very, very well, but like it can't, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the context of, of the point of view of like what exactly it is. And I would say that would be true, you know, for whatever that's, it's true with all languages, which we are like, uh, a primary language, a language which you learned within the first two years of your life, you know, what you've been programmed with. But English in particular, but English in particular, English was, so there was, there was what, what they call middle English. And then we got like, you know, and eventually to where we are now. And there are, there are two, um, there are two uh, works, which, which, made this transition happen, which caused this to happen. That's that's the uh, King James Bible and the works of Shakespeare. And they both came through the same individual. They came through the hand of Francis Bacon and Francis Bacon, like he, and I believe from those two works, I, uh, the numbers like 10,000 new words were added to the lexicon. So like wow. all of it, like, so the people who, who, who were alive then, you know, and so this is how they, they, they introduced um, uh, this language. And it was done by, by uh, a master steganographer, someone who is a master at hiding things in, in plain sight. And so there, there are a couple of things which we know, which they said about, which, which they said about um, uh, English. Well, or when we can think about it, because it literally is, our um, the operating system in which your consciousness, you know, assuming like English is your first language, this this is this this statement is true about everyone's first language, but it is the um, operating system for your consciousness. Like you are really only able to think relative to the words that are in your language, and if there are ideas and concepts that your language is unable to articulate, well, guess what? You're not even thinking about it because you don't even know it knows. Like if you think about deja vu we had to go to french like prior to like us stealing like that like how many other things are out there that we don't even have words for but but i want to go back to english because this is fascinating so um there are a couple things which we want to think about english uh our first one is just like really in general of like reading from left to right versus right to left that's going to completely change your consciousness like to what degree? I don't know, because I don't have a version of myself to compare to, which learned that way. But I if everything which we know about, like, you know, cognitive programming and like, you know, going from left to right and right to left and, th- and like balancing of hemispheres and all this sort of stuff, looking at magic eye pictures like we know that that impacts consciousness very, very deeply. So there's that. But this is where I was going to go at. Francis Bacon said this, this is what he said. He's like when when he created English and Francis Bacon is also the guy who's credited for um, modern Freemasonry, his his system of Freemasonry, the 33 degree. So I guess that would be, is that the, the whatever the one they do over here? I think it's the Scottish, right? I'm not a Freemason. Um, uh, like that was his system. But, but Francis Bacon said this, and he was a prolific author, prolific author. Um, he said that uh, 
when he created English, when he created this modern English, he wanted to make it a poetic language. He wanted to make it a poetic language. And what that means is that um, you are able to communicate multiple things at the same time. So it's symbolic. So this is why we have so many words that mean so many different things. Um, that was that, that intention, like, you know, and, and, and words have like, you know, obvious words having different meanings is like the, the obvious suggestion of what, what this like English being a, a, a poetic language means, but it is like, it is like, a, a, because everything has multiple, all these words have multiple meanings and multiple contexts. And it has all of these subtleties, like things are being communicated all the time, subconsciously, unconsciously. This is why like neuro-linguistic programming works very well with English is because of like all of these like double entendres and the double entendre is the, is how you are able to, to hide things in plain sight because you get people to see one thing one way and completely be blind to the second meaning of something, which is hiding right in front of you. So the entire English language to like, you know, degrees, I got no idea how deep it goes, but we know it has to be um, embedded in this language. Yeah, it's 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 amazing that certain words have so many different meanings. And, you know, it's in even people who, you know, people have pet words that they use, you know, in, in these secret societies that they've even built other meanings out of that the normal people wouldn't even know. Yeah. Even some scholars probably wouldn't even know unless you studied the, you know, the history and everything. So it's it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do with it. I would imagine, you know, if it's a book that's been published, that's not like the secret secret. It's like the the books which which you don't know about. That's where like, yeah, like it's um, uh, it is certainly an interesting. um, It's certainly an interesting topic and it's helpful to being able to understand or at least to think that way, at least to think that to be able to think that way in order to. understand what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. uh there have been there was a time where like only a handful of people only a small percentage of people uh would it be like worthwhile to understand what's going on in the world but like the world is changing right now we are in the middle of it we're in the midst like it began last year like it was a it was a build up it was built up but like you know game on last march um And so to be able to to have that ability and it doesn't have to be limited to Freemasonic uh, symbology, but but what the if you're familiar with with if you've studied any type of symbology and particularly like Freemasonic symbology, where where it's about learning to be able to see the symbols in like everyday life, uh, that will behoove you to be able to understand what's going on because it is being communicated uh, in, in a very strong and undeniably undeniable symbolic fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's like you see these, you know, regular people who don't look outside of just, you know, corporate news and, and education and it just, it blows my mind. I mean, I actually know very intelligent, educated people, man. And, and they think that uh, what the news says is, is what's really going on. You know, they believe that there's really this, 
Democrat versus Republican thing. And that's about as far as it goes. And it's the state versus the, uh, you know, the, the state versus the, the corporate entities or whatever the, uh, uh, you know, it's like private interests versus public interests and that's it, but they don't see that there's all these other things going on and um, all kinds of, you know, hidden symbolism and groups who are working together. There's not really a, you know, you can't just say, oh, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the, the, the private businesses' fault. It's the corporation's fault. No, it's the government's fault because they're in bed together at the higher, higher levels and, uh, and it's global too. So, you know, regular people just don't seem to understand that. Well, so, so what is it that you wear on your head when you graduate from high school or college? The, uh, I forget what they call it. The, uh, <laughs> the mortar board. Yeah. Yeah. The mortar board. What, what do you use a mortar board for? Well, that goes back to uh, masonry, doesn't it? Or, oh uh, yes, it does. Yeah. That's exactly where it goes <laughs> back to because the, their minds have been shaped. If you've got myself included, if you've gone through that system, like they're telling you, yeah, your mind was just shaped by the mortar board. It's a blockhead. Remember, we talked about the languages. It's all it's everywhere. And so by shaped, it's a way to perceive reality. And so it's, you know, the more educated you are. The more educated you are is the more shaping to your understanding of consciousness. And it is no... It's no disgrace because someone um, like, I mean, the, what's the old adage? It's like, it is not a good sign of, it's not a sign of good mental health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. Right, like right. when you see someone who's like totally indoctrinated, it's like, they didn't choose to like they, th- this system is, is a science. Mm-hmm. It is a science and it's like, it shaped that person into seeing a world a certain way and whether it's from like, you know, what they're breathing in the air, or eating in the food or drinking in the water, you know, it's affecting us all. Like it's effect and the hypnosis and the, and the proven techniques of shaping a mind to see something a certain way. Like, you know, you, I don't want to say it's a lost cause, but, you know, and and so, but what it is, the one thing, this is what I want to say. It's like, you can't hold it against them and you can't Mm -hmm. argue with them. You know, when they say like, all right, I want to know more. Well, then you have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's like the the system, the science is too good. Yeah. like, Like they know what they're doing. And here's the flip side. Here's the flip side. Like if you really become familiar with like all of the techniques, like there is not like everything is a technique to shape the mind, to see in a certain way. And, 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 and we're all part of it. We're all part of it. Every human being becomes their environment. That's what we do. And if you can control the environment, you can control what the human being is going to become. Like, that's why you speak the language in your house after two years. It's because like you just become it. It's not just language. It's everything. And so it's like we all went through it and we're all meant to see the world a certain way. And when you begin to see like all of the techniques that in your face techniques to like the more subtle techniques. And then you're like, wow, that's a lot of friggin' effort. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of friggin' effort. <laughs> and so the reason I'm saying that is because the good news is 
what we do know, what we do know about what I'm going to call baseline reality, like just like natural living, like the nat, like you just being a human before going through like the human system is the natural reality is the moment the toxins stop coming in, the moment it stops coming in, it starts to fix itself automatically. But the key is like, it's got to stop. Like it can't be a reduction as long as it's going in. And so the proof of the, the pudding of what I'm saying is like Chernobyl, uh, you know, they said for 10,000 years, it's going to be uninhabitable. It'll be a, an empty wasteland. And like 20 years later, there's fauna that hasn't been seen since like, you know, the ice ages. Same thing with like the skies over Wuhan. Like after a week of lockdown, the three decades of smog just disappeared like that quickly. And so the same is true with consciousness. The same is true with physical health as well. But it's like given the opportunity that it's no longer receiving that constant toxicity and the toxicity isn't just like watching like toxic programming it's everything that holds the mind into seeing the way in a way which was meant to be shaped and when you do that you can hide stuff in front of their face and they're never ever gonna see it but the moment they stop the moment they stop you know they're, uh, they're gonna we all you know we 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 clear up pretty quickly yeah. because truth speaks loud yeah man it I said, uh, I was telling somebody last week, I said, you know, guys like Edward Bernays was as much of a, a dark magician as Aleister Crowley because he taught, and, and I'm sure and it went back way farther back than Bernays, but, you know, all these, you know, media people and governments and uh, of the world and in large businesses have used those techniques to, you know, to manipulate people for ever since he wrote that book. And then, like I said, I'm sure it started way before that, but it's all about the techniques like you're talking about. And once those people learn those techniques, they're, uh, they're universal techniques. They work on everybody, you know? And, um, and like you were saying, if you get away from it, like a few years ago, maybe I want to say five, six years ago, we, we dumped our cable and, um, and I really didn't watch much news those last couple of years anyway, but, just the regular shows I'll watch, you're getting the, the, the programming and the, and the little news breaks and then the crap that's in, you know, inside the regular TV shows, even the sitcoms, you know, this kind of hidden um, messaging and whatnot. It's once you get away from it, it's like, whoa. And then, then you're, once you get away from it and you're exposed to it again, like at somebody's house or at a bar or something, you're like, oh my God, I was exposed to that all those years and I couldn't see it. And now I can see it plain as day. And I'm like worried about everybody else. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, they're subjected to all that now. And they'll never know the difference. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 you're absolutely right. When you begin to see it, when you begin to see what's around you when you begin to see what's around you, like that's what I was saying. Like, you know, when you begin to think like, you know, the, the symbology of the Freemasonry, I'm not saying the Freemasons are behind it, but I will say that they put their mortarboard on all of our heads. And, <laughs> uh, uh, but like, you know, you you're able to begin. So. So like the first step, the first, I just put out a video called Escaping the Matrix. And I say this three times in the video. It's an excellent video. Like it's like I, a lot of my videos, I'm just, I'm just talking. I think I'm giving good information, but, but like it's more or less I'm rambling. But this one was one where I scripted it. I edited it. It's like a beautiful, it's a beautiful piece. Uh, 
Um, and I highly recommend it. it's called Escaping the Matrix. And it begins with the idea of, of the matrix is first and foremost, a, a mental prison. It's a mental prison. Like, and that's almost like a cliche, right? Like, you know, you've heard that so many times, but like, no, you really like, that's where it begins. You have, you have, you have to realize all of these things that are on our minds that we can't even see, like, just because we can see some of them, just because we're like, oh, you know, I can see some of that and I can see someone else falling for it. So, um, it is learn and and what I say, and I say this over and over in the video, it's like uh, it is learning to look away from the matrix and not just looking away from the matrix to look elsewhere, but to learn to look elsewhere in a way different than how the matrix molded your mind. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's being able to do that. And we learn these skill sets when we begin to see all of these other things like, you know, calendars, like, like, think about this, think about this one. Um, like today, how many stop signs did you see? Well, not very many because I didn't only drove a short distance, but probably more than I could count. Five, six, maybe. Yeah, probably something like that. Five or yeah. six. And I probably there are about five or six other ones that were in your peripheral, maybe that you didn't even realize. But like, like those are the five ones. So like, let's say yeah. like 10 or 15 a day, let's say 20 a day. Like if you got on average, like, you know, you multiply that out. We're talking like tens of thousands of impressions, like, you know, hundreds of thousands over a lifetime. Like think about like 150 years ago. How many stop signs did someone say? Very few. Why? There weren't any freaking cars. Right, right. None. (laughs) You're right. They didn't see any. And it's not just it's not just seeing like a random like the word stop. Like it is the exact same symbol. It's in the it's in in, they're all red in the United States. There are different colors, I think, in other countries, but they're in like that octagon shape, like all this stuff, like the fact that it's consistent over and over again. Like, you know, that's just like there's so many things. I'm not saying like go and like don't look at stop signs. I'm not saying like, oh, get paranoid. But like when you begin to see like, all right, well, this is there's this false reality which is like which we are so identified with as the true reality. And then we, we begin to recognize that and we're like, okay, where am I? Like, you know, and, and maybe for some people, if this, if they come up, come across this very fast, like if they go from like, like not thinking this way to then all of a sudden seeing it very quick, very clearly, that can be very shocking. That can be very mm-hmm. shocking. But, you know, for a lot of people, like it's been a little bit more slow and we can, we go like layer and layer by the onion. And so like, I think that there is like a, um, you know, once you become more, more like once you're, once you become settled to it, there's no, there shouldn't be any more paranoia, but that is the world which we live in of programming. And it is, and as I said this before, um, that's always been like, you know, out there and people have always had the opportunity to want to go and see the world as it is. But right now it is changing. Mm-hmm. Like right now, literally an old system is being collapsed. It's a, uh, it's a controlled demolition of society. It's a mm-hmm. controlled de- demolition. That's what you're watching right now. As a new one is being, is being like brought up. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. How long will this be? Like 10 years, five years, one year. I don't know. But like, it was different 
it, it was leading up to this, but it was different prior to March of last year. And then like, uh, we'll see like where this is going, but we are in a different time period. And in this different time period, what, what is, what is good about it? You know, what, what is that, uh, a lot more people are going to be able to see things as they are. And the reason why is one of the reasons you would stay asleep is because um, you've been promised a lot of rewards, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, you, you played the game. You're like, I'm going to go in my, my, my retirement. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and do that. And it's like, I don't want to know. It's like, I know, mm-hmm. but I don't want to know because I'm just going to go and it's a tough world out there. And I just want to get my condo in Florida and I want to have that paid for. And I want to not have to worry about anything because I worry about everything all the time. But those mm-hmm. people are beginning to recognize that those plans are gone. Some of them are going to, are going to, are going to go on to the, the promises, their promises, but a lot of people are going to be like, whoa. And they're going to begin to see things as it is because there's no need for them to look away because they've already been shafted. And so mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, but anyway, so this gives us the opportunity. So I, I and, and what I'm hoping to talk about, you know, where I feel like I've almost been beating around the bush this entire, you know, we've been talking for an hour now um, is like, you know, what is going on? I want to be able to, to at least share from someone who sees the world from my perspective, what I see very, very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. All right. So, um, well, so, so the first thing I sent you, the first, I sent you some documents today, right? Do yeah. you see the first one? Yeah, that was, uh, that had, was it about uh, Balam and uh, the ellipse? So, yes. Okay. 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 So, um, so I sent you, I sent you, uh, two different stories of, of someone from, uh, ancient times. who has got the same name, Balaam. And, uh, one story was from a book of demonology and one story is from numbers in the old Testament. Yeah. And so Balaam in the old Testament is a prophet. And Balaam in the demon book is, is like one of the kings of the demons, like of the 72 demons of the, of the, um, God, what is it? It's like the, the something of Solomon. Solomon's all, whenever you hear Solomon, this is all Freemasonry. But it's all Freemasonry. Like that's where it all comes from. And what was Solomon? You know, what is, what does the Bible say Solomon was? He was like the world's greatest magician at controlling demons. He knew how to control demons, like, and, and that's what he did. And so, so, okay. So we got like, that's where like the, the Balaam was one of those demons and he was one of the Kings. He was like, you know, uh, uh, and he, and we're, we're told, we're told that these are two, two separate, they're, they're two guys with the same name. It's like Mike and Mike, mm. you know, it's no, they're, they're different folks, but when you go and you read those stories, you go and you read those stories, um, uh, you see in both of them, though, with different contexts, that uh, um, that a ram and a bull are symbols that are present. Mm-hmm. All right. So in in um, Numbers chapter twenty three, Numbers chapter twenty three, uh, and there's a movie called The Number Twenty Three, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, I can remember when it came out and I knew then it's like, I definitely don't want to put that in my consciousness. Uh, it's a creepy movie, but I, 
So in Numbers 23, it tells the story of, of Balaam, who was, a, who was a, a prophet. You know, I'm not a biblical scholar, so I'm going to do my best telling you the story. But uh, he, was, he was called by one of the kings, the Moabites, maybe, Moabites. I don't know how to pronounce it. And he was like, listen, like uh, the Israelites, they're, they're camping outside of our kingdom, and I want you to curse them because I'm not feeling too comfortable with these guys out there. Uh, um, so I want you to curse them. And then um, what Balaam did was he, you know, this is how the story goes is like he um, spoke with God and God's like, nah, you're not going to curse them. You're going to, you're going to praise them. You're going to praise them. They're, they're my people. You know, that's crazy. And what you're going to do is you're going to go and build seven altars and you're going to put on each one of those altars, a, 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 a bull and a ram. Mm-hmm. Do you know how big a bull is? <laughs> Like seven, big. killing seven bulls, a ram's a big thing, but, but that's the symbology. So that's that story. So then the demonology one is, so you've got this demon guy named Balaam and he was like head of like, you know, 40 legions of demons and he was a king and he had three heads. He had the head of a man, he had a head of a bull and he had a head of a ram. Mm-hmm. So why am I telling you all this? Where am I coming from? So like, um, I don't know what these books are. I know that these books are very important to our to our collective experience, our culture. I mean, I'll, I'll even take it one step back. Like, I, and I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'll say the thing which which is um, it, it has to be in the back of everyone's mind. Uh, but few people say it. I don't know where we are. I don't know what Earth is. I know Earth is under my feet. That's the only thing I know. I don't know how I got here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I don't think anyone else does. I think there are lots of good stories. I think there are lots of good stories. And some of the stories are better than other ones. And I'm not like here to go and challenge anyone's stories. I'm just saying like, I like to get to the bottom of things. And I like to be as truthful and as honest as I can. And then to, uh, so when I say like, I don't know what the Bible is. It's like, I can see all these things about the Bible. I can see whose Mm -hmm. hands have touched it. I can see what people do with it. I can read the truths in it. Like there's all these different things, but I know the one thing is it's immensely significant. I know this book is in there. And, um, and so I also know, I also know this. Um, I also know that our civil is at the, the, the structures of our society, structures of our society and this is where it all began with that book it began with that book which we're talking about i said for research um and inside that book it has intimate pictures of some of the buildings in washington dc you'll probably never get to see for example like the inside of the federal reserve headquarters um you know i guess you could go to the library of congress but not many people do and it shows throughout throughout that book it shows zodiacs It shows Zodiacs because the Zodiac is of importance. And so whether or not a person agrees with astrology, whether or not a person thinks whatever you think of astrology is absolutely irrelevant. Mm. What's relevant is the people that control your lives. They think about it highly enough that they outfit their most special buildings with its symbols. Yeah. And so astrology is many, many things. And from, from, uh, you know, most people might know, might think of astrology as their own personal astrology, but there's like, you know, it, it cycles up. And so there are things which they call astrological ages, astrological ages. It's astro theology is kind of like the general term of like, you know, that practice, all of this goes back to Sumer. 
all of this goes back to Mesopotamia and, and Babylon. Like this is the story which we're told. This is the story we're told. We're told that that people are living on earth. They're walking around and they're like, I love being a hunter-gatherer. I'm a hunter-gatherer, hunter-gatherer. And then one day they're like, hey, let's go build a civilization. We're between these two rivers. And like, you know what? Let's plant some crops and we're going to go and we're going to settle in. We're going to settle in for the long haul. And then they instantaneously build a civilization. And the first things they do is they establish a very complex tax code. Mm-hmm. They um, created a very, very reg- regimented social class system. Uh, they came up with a, a fantastic uh, industry and really, really like tightly run industry of human trafficking and slavery. They came up with banking. They came up like, you know, with all of this sort of stuff. Like that was the first sort of stuff they came up with. Uh, I mean, I just don't buy it. Like it doesn't make sense. Um, I'm not saying there's another story, but that's where they're telling us it began. And that has never gone away. It's changed mm. form. That's the same system that you see today. It just changes form. And this is also where we get our 12 sign astrology and the people, whomever, whatever people, beings, I don't know what they are, but there are people who regulate life from behind the scenes in a very, mm. very tangible way. Like, uh, if you could think about like, think about like going to like your, your local bank and like whatever business you might be doing there. And like, maybe even think about like a larger branch of that. Think about like the sort of stuff that's happening. What do you think's happening in the Federal Reserve headquarters? Like if you've got like business there, what are you doing? Like what, what does that look like? And all of the central banks, they go to the central bank, the, the head one in, in Switzerland, you know, and what are, the, what are they doing? Like those people literally control their, their understanding of money is so different than someone getting a mortgage. Like it is, and that's what I mean, like in very literal ways, like people control like your lives that you have no idea and these people do everything it all comes back from the same place and they have the same symbols and it's never gone away in the same industries and you said like edward bernays it's probably much older because it's always been the same like Mm -hmm. it's changed according to the time so that being said that being said that being said all of that being said uh we go through different epochs different astrological ages they're like said to be like two thousand years old and um uh, 2000 years long is, and when one comes to an end, you know, that it is destroyed and then a new one is brought up and it is done. Uh, each age is, uh, uh, corresponding to, a to a particular, what you might think of as an astrological sign. And so that age will have those qualities like built into like the 2000 years. If you can understand like that astrological sign archetype, you know, what it's supposed to be about, you'll see that you'll see that in the, uh, um, You'll see that within the culture, within the value system, the culture, all that sort of stuff. And so um, when I sent you that thing about the epoch ellipse, like that's apocalypse. Mm. An epoch is an era. It's a, it's a period of time. An ellipse, an ellipse is, is like it's, an, it's a shape. It's, kind, it's not a circle. It's more like an oval. And it's like, you know, it's the orbit. It's the orbit of like, you know, the end of an age uh, as it goes round and round and round again. You know, that's the apocalypse. That's one version from this version of, of, from this perspective like you know that's what an apocalypse is it's the end of the age and the birth of the new one um i also showed you like you know a deeper meaning of where ellipse comes from and it's from a uh from a french word which means um allegory 
And it means like uh, it, it, it's telling you like it's it's not a simile or a metaphor. It's it's not exactly what what you think it is. But nonetheless, nonetheless. So the apocalypse is the end of an age and, and, and the, the beginning of a new age. And these things are managed. They're managed from 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 behind the scenes. And as we said before, like we are in the middle of a controlled demolition. How'd you learn how to do a controlled demolition of an age? Oh, because you've done it a billion other times, right? It's like, you know, you've got a playbook. You've mm-hmm. got a playbook. And so this is, you know, this is what it looks like. So what we see, uh, so what, what along that lines, what's being said is we are at the end of the age of Pisces and we're at the birth of the age of Aquarius. Like, you know, you're probably familiar with that. And yeah. so prior to that, you know, what, what was the previous age before Pisces? Because it goes backwards. This is the precession of the equinoxes. And so that would be the age of Aries. And so what is Aries? Aries is a, lamb, is a ram. That's the symbol of Aries. And so what yeah. is the symbol? Uh, what is the sign before Aries? That is Taurus. What is Taurus? That is the that is the um, that is the bull. It's also the calf. You know, it's the cow. It's that whole sort of thing. Uh, before that was was Gemini. That was man. That was twins. And so, you know, and you could see that by looking at some of the, you know, how they tell us the history of like, you know, the the time when 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 cows were worshipped in 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 India. You know, that would be the the time of the bull. And like when Moses uh, destroyed the golden calf and then blowed the ro- the ram's horn. You know, that's marking the the end of one age and the birth of another. But when we begin to see that this like mm, this two this 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 individual who may be prophet, maybe demon, goes by the same name, but is certainly tied to the killing of rams and bulls, and you begin to recognize in the language that it's talking about it is talking about the end of an age. So when you're doing a controlled demolition, you got to bring down another one as you're bringing up a new one. Mm-hmm. And so they told us, they're telling us, they're telling us right now, they're telling us right now, like, what is the name of, of, of the person who does that? And, and that's Balaam. And so when we yeah, go to ancient yeah. Hebrew and we take, well, you know, like, you know, that's what they, you know, I guess it's the same with modern Hebrew. I guess it's the same. Uh, they don't write with the vowels. So mm-hmm. what would, what would the consonants of Balaam be? B-L-M. Yeah. Yeah, that's very there's nothing new under the sun so what <laughs> right. what's happening right now and so this is what we are seeing we're seeing a convoluted we're seeing a convoluted um apocalypse mm-hmm. being put on people this is not real it is completely orchestrated and it's orchestrated in such a way to be in alignment and i'll explain why it's not real later but this is what we're seeing and mm-hmm. and <clears throat> When we begin, when we see the language, when we see the symbology, when we see the symbology, listen, I'm not saying like, you know, that, that if, if that's a movement you, you're involved with, you're, you know, whatever. I'm not saying you're like, a, you're possessed by a demon. I am saying that when you're chanting his name, you are, you're chanting his name. Uh, but this is, this is the archetype. This is how you bring down an old system. Like, like no, like it, you could look at it from any perspective. You could look at it like a pro perspective, an anti-perspective, a detached perspective, what have you, and be like, yeah, that, that it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's, this is what it looks like when it's being played out. And so I talked about a little bit earlier about like all of the, um, all of the, um, 
amount of effort which needs to be done in order to like keep so many people uh, and they've been doing this since Mesopotamia, however long that was, you know, maybe they even made that whole thing up, who knows? Um, but this, this is the same system. And this is why they tell that story. You know, that story from your Bible class. And so when it's unfolding before your eyes, there's a sense of unconscious familiarity, no different than all of like the nine 11 stuff, which would like predated the events of 2001, like this is built into it. Uh, we know this because these, we know the guys who put their hands on these books and we know exactly what they're doing. I'm going to tell you one last thing, and then I'll give you an opportunity to, to, to ask clarifying questions is the age of Aquarius. So I'm not saying the age of Aquarius is a real thing. I'm just saying, this is what it is. Like if you were to go and, 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 and textbook, it is, um, you know, the archetype of Aquarius deals with these things. It deals with innovation. Like it is the innovative age. It deals with um, it deals with lightning, which is that's what the symbol of Aquarius is. They're, two, they're like two lightning bolts, um, but it's often thought of to be electricity. That's how it's determined, how it's expressed in like modern, the modern, the modern shaped mind sees it as electricity. Uh, they see innovation as computer technology. And um, the last thing is the age of Aquarius is about the human family. It is. So if you were if you were uh, like uh, really into astrology and you followed astrology, um, when you read about Aquarius, it's said to be the golden age of humanity it's said to be because like everyone in humanity realizes like, you know, we're brothers and, you know, brothers and sisters and we're all part of this. And like we work together and we come up with new ways of doing things, all this sort of stuff. That's really like what Aquarius is. But what we're seeing happen is this this false telling of this story whether it's a true story or not is irrelevant this is the story mm. they're telling we see it throughout all of the all of the media and they are bringing in an inverted an inverted version of what the aquarius story is supposed to be like innovation and it's like it ain't supposed to be computer innovation we can talk about why later it's not supposed to be electricity and it's not supposed to be globalism it's supposed to be mm. something else but it's it's still kind of in harmony like it's mm. still in that same archetype like it's it's actually it's a saturnian this is what's happening is aquarius is is ruled by two planets uranus and saturn saturn's the ancient ruler uranus is the modern uranus is the one which is like kind of like it's the higher version of it and saturnian is very very um is very controlling and so we're seeing this saturnian expression of this inversion of something that doesn't need to be happening right now, which we've all been part of for all of our lives. And I can walk you through all of that sort of stuff, but that's what's unfolding. And so the reason why I, I'm telling this story, the reason why I'm telling the story, particularly if this makes sense to you, like if you go and you look at everything, like it makes perfect sense. It's so that you can see what is happening so that you cannot, so it's set up in such a way that um, even if you're going to fight it, you're part of it because you're going to fight like, you know, that's what the destruction needs that. What it doesn't need is for you to withdraw from it. Mm -hmm. As long as you are feeding it, you are part of it. And so like learning to withdraw from it, whatever that may mean, and then being able to go and look elsewhere. Like the whole thing is it's like Medusa. It's like Medusa, you stare at it and you can't look away. If you can look away from it, Mm -hmm. well then you'll be able to go and um and start to break the binds of where all of it it begins to hold you down 
Yeah, that, that kind of leans back to because um, people, you know, I'm sure they've asked you the same thing. It's like, well, what do I need to do? What do you think's best going forward or how I need to handle what's happening in the world now? And I always just say it sounds cheesy, but you need to kind of get back to basics and, and kind of uh, take care of your own little world. Unplug as much as you can from, you know, social media and the news and stuff like that. And uh, just try to get to back to what's important. And, and maybe if you want to try to make a little difference in your own area or something like that. But um, I think that uh, that's basically all you really can do um, because you are fighting such a big system. And it's like um, I tell people, and, and I mean, I'm not the first, of course, to say this, but it doesn't matter if you don't believe in something. If a lot of other, and you may have even said this earlier, I can't remember, but if, if a lot of other people, especially powerful people do, they may be manifesting or trying their best to manifest these other beliefs into happening. And I see that, uh, I mean, I think that you'd almost have to be blind not to be able to see that there is a change coming. Um, my only thing, I mean, it's like you said, uh, you kind of explained it, but I just want to say this. Anyways, like a lot of people see the, the, the change as wholly positive and in just a natural state of events, whereas it seems like to me that these elites are pushing, the, they're pushing this so-called quote unquote brotherhood of man as well, kind of, if you know what I mean, like yeah, of the course. great reset. They're, they're, they're and, tapping into all of these archetypes without a doubt. That's exactly yeah. what they're doing. So they're doing that you know, using that to sell this, you know, fairness and equality and, and everything's going to be great. Uh, but it just seems like because of who they are, it's going to be possibly even more of a consolidated, you know, you're going to have more consolidated powers that rule the earth even more so than what has been for like the last few centuries. You know, I hope that's not true, but it sure seems that way with these global uh, people that, and that's making that we're, that's making an assumption that like you know the the opposing powers were actually opposing right you know right. I, I i think that i mean maybe if you, if you think about like the coca-cola industry you got like two guys in the sales team who are competing against each other neck to neck but but they're still like on the same team mm -hmm. yeah uh it's it's um I don't think there's, if you're really looking at it, if you're really being honest, like I've done the research. And so I can say this for myself. I can't speak for anyone else, but I don't think there is any question as to what is going on. Um, I don't think there is. Uh, the, the only thing you can do is to begin to like, you know, to recognize you're in this and to just start taking off the sort of things, um, the connections, uh, and that's a difficult thing to do. I mean, last last fall, it was my intention to like, I'm just going to stop making videos. I'm going to stop doing all of this sort of stuff. And I'm going to do things in person. And uh, at least for now, like uh, I wasn't able to make that work. And so it's like I've been doing more of these interviews. I'm almost like, you know, I, I've done more interviews in the last like I don't know, like six weeks. And I probably have for a long, for like the last six months. And so I, so I feel like um, right now we're kind of in this, maybe this position. I hope this doesn't, you know, I don't, I can't see this. 
I see this as a danger to myself. I see this as a danger to you or anyone who's on here. Like the internet's called the, it's, it was called the net. It was called the web. Like there's no secrets. If you go and you like, if you go and you look at your history of like, there's no part of this, which is not part of it. Like this, there's nothing grassroots about this at all. This is, and just like the Bernays thing, it's like the, the, the breadcrumbs are left right there. You know, and you get it for whatever reason, they were left right there. Um, the technology was designed for this in the beginning. In the beginning, if you go and you look at your history of like of the founding of ARPANET. So ARPANET's like the 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 Department of, of Defense's, uh, um, you know, predecessor of what would become the Internet. So the story about that is like. There's the Cold War and and the army needed to come up with a technology so that in the event that there's nuclear war and if they blew like, you know, the 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 bad guys, um, Goldstein. Right. This is this is just straight 1984. This is all, I mean, it's, this it is so ridiculous. This is 1984. But anyway, like the book 1984 is what I mean. Mm. Um, so they told you that. So this is the history. So if the bad guys would drop the bombs and they would blow up like one of like the the communication centers that that would not take down the entire network so they came up with like the the technology of like you know packets and stuff like that and you you could go and that became the internet where you could take a piece of information break it up into a million different pieces send it a million different ways and then when it gets to their end an end location it knows how to like come back together like that you know the mm-hmm. infrastructure the physical infrastructure and then like the the technology do that like that was that was the beginning of the internet so we're, we're told that's the story but when you go and you look at the guy who was who was in charge of it he was a computer science guy um he was the head of like uh behavioral sciences like what uh, why wouldn't this guy be the head of like network design? Why? You know, what were they thinking when they made this? Of course, they were thinking behavioral science, like the same thing as blockchain. Like, you know, all the crypto, everything's the blockchain, the blockchain, the blockchain. Blockchain is slave language. The auction block and the chains you're taken away from. This is the oldest industry out there. This is the first industry they had in Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. So it's like there, there's got to be a point like, you know, where what I feel like what we're doing, what I'm hoping to do is share information. Not that I know the right answer, but to go and give you a new way to look at it so that it makes sense to you from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And then so we can... The more of us who can begin to see things as they are, and all you can't fight it. All you can do is not participate and then find the people who you're going to participate with. And at some point we're going to have to get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. I agree. And, you know, a lot of us can, you know, we may not agree on every single thing, but we agree on what's happening and we agree on the fact that we need to come together and, we can learn from each other. And, and I'm, I'm the same way, man. I don't have the answers. I just try to put things out there for people. And, and if they want to take my advice, I always tell them, look further into it, do their own research, you know, um, because it's such a crazy time to be alive. And there are so many people searching right now. How do I, how do I combat this? What do I do with my life? A lot of these young people, I'm sure that, uh, 
you and I are probably about the same age. I, I run into a lot of younger people, man, and they are really hungry for knowledge and they want to know what can I do? What, how can I make a difference? Which really, man, it, it does uh, give me some motivation to keep on doing this because sometimes I get frustrated and I'm like, ah, why even try, you know? But um, it, it's great that so many people are like you said, kind of uh, waking up to the fact that uh, a lot of things that we've been told are not true. And, you know, especially this last four, four and a half years, I think a a ton of people are waking up. I I think a lot of people don't know what to do about it. And I think right now, some people are really frustrated and, and, and maybe really just depressed about things. But like you said, you're giving people uh, your, a perspective on how to do these things and why these things are happening. And it helps people. And, and a lot of people out there, man, they need some help. They need some, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, they need some hope. And, and I think that's extremely important. So the good news, the good news is, so every, everything which we, have you ever heard the phrase capture the imagination? Like with mm-hmm. Disney, like we're, or no, it was GE. GE, I think, was captured the imagination. That was there. Or no, bring, we bring things. To, I don't know. So it was either GE or Disney. They're the same thing. They're the same military industrial complex sort of vehicles. But right. like this idea of capturing the imagination. Um, uh, Lippmann. Lippmann was, was one of Bernays's uh, uh, contemporaries. And his famous thing was, I want, if you can control the pictures which people paint in their mind, you can control them. And so that's what captured the imagination is. And so if you were born in the system and particularly like, you know, you really, if you really want to know like where you are is you got to look at your, your generation and like, you know, what was out there at the time you were, you know, from age one to seven, what was the technology? What were the events? What were the movies? All that sort of stuff. Cause that's what really shaped your mind. Like if you were 14, when you saw something versus someone who saw it when they're four, it's going to have a very different impact on you as an adult. Uh, so all of this stuff though, it's, it's, Everything that we have been um, uh, born into and what we've been told, it's been to make it our second nature. You know, we've got a primary nature. We have an original nature and a second nature is a nature which needs to be learned. And when you learn that nature and you just do it like habitually, it becomes second nature. So what that what that means is all we have to do is remember the true nature. And so what the matrix, what all this stuff, all of this effort has been has been designed to go and 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 hide uh, the solution, which is just like right in front of you. It's it's Mm -hmm. it's it's and, and part of the part of the capturing of the imagination and part of the whole thing is to create in people's minds images of what the solution could look like that they don't want to do. It's like, I don't want to go back to living like a stone age, man. I don't want you know, it's like, I don't want to live like, like, like road warrior. These are all images. Like you've been, we've been conditioned to think that like you either got this life or that life. Like if you're not going to go along with this, well, what are you going to have? Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is based upon like, I mean, there's so much like of, of, of there's so much trauma, like, part of the the human being is a social creature and it used to be the worst thing you could do to the human being was to um, excommunicate them from the community. 
And mm-hmm. so that is inherent within all of our DNA. You know, we're more than our DNA, but like our DNA is a big part of understanding the human experience. And so like to be excommunicated is like a, is, is a scary thing to begin with. And then like the visions of like what it would be if I don't go along is going to be very scary. And like, you know, all of that stuff is, is designed that way. And so to make someone not have hope or like, I don't know what to do, but, but, but the solutions are, um, are, are, I think, much, much easier. And what it is, is stripping things away that you don't even think are things. You don't even think are things. Like, uh, like have you ever had, do you know, what a, have you ever had a piece of string? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And yeah, like yeah. sewing string, like stuff you would be, you'd sew two pieces of fabric together. And mm-hmm. if you got in your hands, like if you pulled really hard, like what would happen? It would break, right? Break, yeah. It'll probably break. But like, if you had like, you know, someone who had that same string, and they put like two or three rows of like uh, of like sewing machine stitches of the fabric together, like, and you try to pull it apart, like that might be much, much more difficult, right? Like, you might not even yeah. be able to do that. So it's it's like that. It's like that. Like there are all of these things that we don't even think about, which are shaping our minds. And as long as we are still part of the system of thinking and it, and it begins with just recognizing it, there's nothing to do. Uh, you can begin to like take those strings out because individually they don't sound like much. They're like a piece mm-hmm. of string. Like, yeah, what's the big deal? Um, so let me, because everything has been designed to keep you out of harmony with natural cycles, with natural way of being. That doesn't mean that you're a caveman. It doesn't mean you're a caveman. It just means that you under, that you are connected to the human being becomes what it focuses on. And mm. you become connected to the environment which we are in, as opposed to an abstract of the environment, which is what, 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 what the matrix does is it, it keeps you off of it. And it get, and it, and so you don't have any real footing. So I'm going to give you this other example. So, um, have you ever been outside like when the sun goes down, like in the summertime? Yeah, absolutely. And like been in kind of like a wooded area, like maybe like not near a lot of folk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So have you ever noticed like like the 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 wildlife comes alive mm-hmm. in a way like for maybe like 20 or 30 minutes? Like, yeah. you know, there's like that certain time. The same thing happens in the morning too. It's different sort of things, like maybe more mm. birds in the morning, but there's something that happens during these like transition times. Um, do you like, like, do you, do you think, and, 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 or maybe you've even experienced, have you noticed that something happens to you physiologically during that time? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because, you know, sometimes I walk around that time of day, I go for a nice walk. And um, you can just feel like you're saying you can feel there's something changing that it's different than it, you know, it hasn't been that way all throughout the day until Mm -hmm. that point, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying anything like crazy, like, can you go and like begin to levitate? But, but but there is like, this is part of like the, the part of the matrix is making you feel disconnected from the environment, which you're in. When I say environment, I just mean earth. And like, I'm not, I don't mean it like in a political term, like the environment is something we need to save. I'm talking about you're born on earth and you're under the stars. That's the environment. We don't know where that Mm. is. Um, You're part of it. I'm a part of it. We're in it. And when that changes, when the environment changes, everything inside of it changes too. 
Now, we're, un, we're unaware of that. If we start paying attention, we can begin to sense that. And what that changes, like, I think we could only begin to, to appreciate. But everything else, everything else seems to, like, have, like, you know, the, whether it's, like, leaves on trees or whether it's the, 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 the insects, what, like, something changes. So that's part of, like, you know, that's part of the human experience. So if that happens on the daily basis, and, and my sense is this is how they would explain it from science. I think, you know, science, like, you know, they, 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 part of their, their job is to take wonder out of the experience. Um, but like, you know, science would be like, oh, you know, we've got all these like uh, these receptors of taking in like you know, photons or whatever. And like, you know, it releases a hormone or a chemical and whatever. But something happens. Something happens. We have a physiological response. So if that happens on that once a day change and it's because we're picking up things, we, you know, our eyes particularly, you know, they're they're um, they're so powerful um, and so sensitive. Uh and we know, and I'll say this one other thing before I get to where I'm going with this, is like we know that something physiological also happens when you cross the equator. Even mm-hmm. if it's just as simple as like the toilet bowls go in the opposite directions. But mm-hmm. something happens. There's something that happens when we cross midpoints. There's something that happens when you cross the midpoint on your body. If you've got your hand on your right-hand side and you cross your midpoint, like things happen in your brain that don't happen when it's just on this side. So... um, we just had we just had the uh, the spring equinox, and we think about like you know folks like you know maybe uh, you know before before there was organized religion they they would celebrate the equinoxes and they celebrate the solstices and the midpoints in between them, and we <clears throat> and, and we see it like maybe more as abstracts we see it more as abstracts like you know it's a celebration or whatever like you know the way the the way we were given pictures to think about these stories. Um, but my sense is, and particularly the equinox, is like what the definition of the equinox is literally 12 hours of daylight and 12 equal amount daylight and and um, darkness. And I know whenever we cross the midsection, whether it's like, you know, the twilight of of the the day, I know when we do it physiologically with our body, when we cross the midpoint with with the equator, that there is an effect. There's an effect. Mm. And I think it's just common sense that, you know, when there's that balance, something happens within probably, you know, the science version, like, you know, the way we receive light and things are released, what have you. Um, and so you're like, all right. And, you know, maybe some people go out and they like to, they, they're, they're, even if they're just aware, even if you're just aware, like, wow, today's the equinox. And like, you know, maybe that's kind of special. You know, it, it has no value in our modern world. Like you don't get any points for it, but like, you know, we could still become aware. But here's the thing. If you were to go and look, if you were to go and look at um, like, uh, what is it? Like the national... Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency. I think that's what's called the NOAA. They keep like the gold standard of sunrise and sunsets. And you'll go and, and, and you'll look, you'll be like, well, what day, what day was it that there was 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of, of darkness? And for this year, at least, it was the 15th of March. 
So even if you had like every intention, you're like, you know what? You know, I think the Equinox is cool. I want to go and connect with it. And it's, and it's an abstract. It's an abstract mm. idea because you're thinking about for whatever. It's like something physiological happens to human beings. Something it has to. What we're mm. supposed to do, maybe we don't quite know. But I know there's an effect. And I know that that is kept hidden from us. I know twilight has an effect on us. I know that, that there are so many things of our environment that have a physiological effect, but we are disconnected from it. So the question and where, where I'm coming from is like you brought up the point. You're like, well, what is it that people need to do is they need to begin to recognize like the system permeates every part of how we understand reality. And the best thing you can do is begin to understand how you relate to the environment which we are in. That doesn't mean like you give up any of your belief systems, but you recognize this is the most obvious thing that's in front of you. The most obvious thing is this. This is what you're born into. And and I am be I've been they have spent their entire life either keeping it from me or making me see it in a way where I am unable to to connect, ground, receive its benefit. I think that is where we begin. I think Mm -hmm. that that is something each person can do. And you're going to begin to see little by little all of the things that keep you disconnected from the environment. Yeah, uh, absolutely, man. I totally agree. And I've been telling people here lately, you know, atheists and and Christians and and whatever you believe, Some things that are called the occult or occultish or whatever you want to say, hidden, esoteric, are not really the only thing that keeps them hidden is the fact that you stay, not you, of course, but people stay caught up in, you know, electronics and social media in the news and things going on in daily life that we've just become used to. And a lot of these things, there's nothing dark or, or evil about them whatsoever. It's just the fact that you have lost touch with your reality, with your surroundings, and you're not taught or you're not told that you should be paying attention to these things going on around you. So a lot of things, if people could just, like you were saying earlier, take themselves out of the picture, take themselves out of these different uh, things going on and just take a deep breath. It sounds so simple. Take a few deep breaths, close your eyes, listen, pay attention to your senses because we have given, or we're given these senses for a reason. And this earth is a, you know, it's not anything bad to say this earth is magnificent. There's all kinds of things going on around it. You know, All, all these things going on around us. And we've totally forgotten how to appreciate any of that. I mean, people a hundred years ago were working outside all the time. And like you're saying, people don't want to go back to those days when you're like working on the farm for, you know, 16 hours a day and chopping wood and stuff like that. But you don't have to go that far in this, you know, with everything that we have, but you can get back in touch with nature. You can get back in touch with your surroundings and using your senses again, and, and forgetting about a lot of the crap that we've been told and we're subjected to on a daily basis. I mean, because, you know, the news cycle, I swear they're coming up with these manufactured outrages every couple of weeks to keep our attention diverted to this or that. 
and, and they always, you know, they do all these things to keep the two Democrat, Republican, whatever, at each other's throats. But once you take yourself out of all that and start getting back to some of these natural things, I mean, a whole new world opens up to you. You start seeing the world again. Uh, I think they lie to us about everything. I th- and, and to a, a point, to a point, like we can't even ima- like 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 the truth will sound like fantasy, even to like the most open minded person. Um, and everything has been done to like, uh, to take away our empowerment and, and included this idea of how hard we need to work on earth in order to survive. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think that is at all. Um, don't take my medical advice, but (laughs) I like everything. Like when, when you begin to realize, like, you know, it's when you start unraveling it, um, and, and it's it's the we connect with the sensory world for two reasons, for two reasons. Like one is to disconnect from the matrix because that's what it's self-referencing. It's self-referencing. So when you are caught in the matrix loop and you're using matrix thinking, you will never leave it because it makes too much sense. Well, what am I going to do about money? Well, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do? It's all self-referencing. I'm like, well, it makes perfect sense. But as soon as you get out of it and to a degree, I haven't experienced like I have not been out there, but that to the level which I'm getting at. Um, but when we connect with the natural world, it's so that we can become part of it, not part of it that we become animals. It's like the there is a natural there's a natural movement and unfolding of life, which is just part of all of the world. I don't think that I think that I think there were advanced cultures. I think there were very advanced cultures and people didn't have electricity. This whole electricity thing is bullshit. There were other ways, like all of this sort of stuff. Like, you know, how come so many of the ancient buildings didn't have bathrooms? Is it because they were so sophisticated that they were going to go and like build these magnificent buildings, but they're going to go and piss in the alley right on the side? Well, like maybe there was something else, maybe like the actual experience of being human, like because everything is based upon this notion of survival of the fittest. And like, you know, and you know what? I don't know if that's necessarily true. And we need and this is part of the capturing of the imagination because they don't want you to even be open to that idea. This is part of saying like, well, you're going to have to go and work 18 hours a day chopping wood. You know, it's going to be a yeah. lot of plowing. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily the game. Now, I'm not necessarily, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm definitely pointing at some weird stuff. This is what I'm saying. You're not going to be able to know if that's a possibility until you've begun to disconnect from the false reality and to begin to tap into the real reality, the object. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and you talked about the occult. I want to go and say this, this, this. Um, so I talked a little bit about astrology and, and, and I hope, you know, people weren't thinking like I was, I was complaining about astrology. Like I probably make, you know, that's where I make the majority of my living is, is, is like looking at astrology. Um, and 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 helping people with that but uh, an astrology is every human being's birthright let me go and explain that for a moment um every human being regardless of time you've been alive uh whether you live in a house whether you live in a hut you know an apartment building doesn't matter uh it is your birthright 
to walk outside and look up at the night sky and be like, what's going on? Who am I? Why am I here? Like that's astrology. That is astrology to look up at the grandest thing that your, your lower senses can take in your eyes and say, I, what? Help me. I don't tell me, tell me every human being goes through that or is faced with that, or is at least has that potentiality. If they're actually going to be honest and say like, what is this mystery, which has brought me here to earth? And so that is, that is the basis of astrology is recognizing that somewhere in this thing, which we are finding ourselves existing within that we can ask and we can be answered. So Astrology is based upon this idea of like, you know, we can identify what we're calling planets and we can see or not talk about like the moon and the sun. You know, uh, I'm talking about like the ones that look no different than stars from our perspective. Um, We can identify them as different than all of the other white dots we see in the sky and we can we can follow their movements and they all move on the same line. They all move in the same line. And it's like this this backdrop of stars and it's the same stars. And those stars are a real thing. Those stars that's known as the ecliptic, that band of stars, which the, which the planets go in front of. That's a real thing. There is no, that is objectively true. You can go and look at the movement of the planets and, and you could assume there's, there's meaning or there's some significance to it. And you might don't have to have a story, but that's astrology right there. And that's the objective astrology. And, and, and there is a real value just with that. There is something deeply psychologically grounding when you begin to recognize, you know, what did the heavens look like the moment you took your first breath? But then, you know, what most people know of astrology, and there's truth to this too, there's truth to this too, is like they know about the 12 signs and they know about the this and the that. So all of that is is a matrix. A matrix is a human-made story. It's a human-made story. Um, that ecliptic was divided up in 12 segments, equals eight, 12 equal pieces, 360 degrees, 12 of 30 degrees each. There's no even distribution in nature. It's a made up idea. It was made up. It comes from Babylon. It's the 1260 matrix, 360 degrees. This is a way of understanding reality. It's true within that system. Mm. It's not objectively true. So, so when we when we look at astrology, uh, first thing you have to recognize, particularly when you talk about the signs, is the fact that this is this is the same this is the same system that's been around since Mesopotamia, same system. Yeah, maybe it's changed a little bit in detail, but it's primarily the same. Nothing's changed. Nothing's new under the sun. And the reason why it's true is because you've been born into the system, and so within the system, it's true. It's like, you know, your name in all capital letters. Like that's true within the system. But once you realize like, hold on, that ain't me. Like, this is me. That's like a symbol of me. Well, Mm. so is that matrix. That's a symbol of your understanding. And to make it even more interesting, this is what makes it more interesting. That being said, there is immense amount of value of understanding your matrix astrology because you're going to learn all about your shadow self. You're going to learn about like these, you're going to see things which are unbelievably true. Um, but 
but most people practice astrology, particularly in the West. They practice this one type of astrology. They call it tropical. And tropical astrology is built upon this assumption. And the assumption is that the, uh, um, the sun is in a certain place at a certain day. It's at, at what you would call zero degrees Aries. This is a specific location in the heavens, like identifiable by, um, by uh, the constellations. That's where you'll begin to identify it. Um, zero degrees that the sun is found there on um, the spring equinox. But, but the problem with that is that's not where the sun is on the spring equinox. It's somewhere else. And, and there's a reason why. And like 2000 years ago, it was supposedly there. And it doesn't take in consideration, you know, certain things. Like there's all sorts of like good logical explanations. But the astrology, which people follow, is not a reflection of what you see with your own eyes. It's not at all. And so when I talk about like hijacking, like this is a false age of Aquarius, it's because it's based upon these numbers like, oh, well, this planet's here and this planet's there. Like, you know, there was this big deal. There is this big deal of, um, I don't know if you you followed this, um, that uh, Jupiter and Saturn had a conjunction. They were in the same place. They were at zero degrees Aquarius on the, um, on the winter solstice uh, this past winter. Mm-hmm. And that was like a really big deal because it was like a marker. Like this is the marker of the age of Aquarius. Like whether you believe it or not, the people who are ushering it in, they do. And this was their marker. And like that was, that was populated. But the truth of the matter is if you went and you looked, you could see the conjunction. Like that conjunction really happened. Jupiter and Saturn were in the same place. But if you looked up at the heavens and you were to see where it was, it wasn't at zero degrees, Aquarius. It was like in, in like the beginning of Capricorn, like you could identify this, the, the constellation Capricorn, and that's where it is. And so that's called side reel, side reel astrology versus like this tropical. And side reel says, oh, it's the, 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 the planets are, you know, where you see them, not like on this like abstract idea that they should be here based upon this idea. Um, but it's never explained this way. One's a matrix. One is a total, they're both matrixes. The fact that they use signs are a matrix, but nonetheless, nonetheless, one's an even bigger matrix. One is just like a flat out, like this ain't real at all. But, you know, just like, you know, if I were to go and like buy up all of the, the news advertisements and try to convince everyone that there was like some like phantom diarrhea virus, which everyone was getting sick of and stay home, like, you know, people are going to believe it if they hear it enough. And then it becomes true. And then it becomes true. And the same thing is true with the other thing. But the truth of the matter is like the, 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 the age of Aquarius based upon like, you know, saying where this, the, the planets are like, that's not where they are. Mm. It's not where they are. Like people follow that and they yeah. make it true, but it's not, that's not true. It's you, your eyes. You'll, you'll be seeing something different with your eyes and you'll be like not trusting your eyes. You'll be trusting an authority. Gotcha. That that would be wow. it. That's why I say it's a false hijack because it's mm-hmm. not true. That's not where these things are happening. And so, um, and there's a lot to learn. There's a there's a whole lot there's a whole lot to learn, in my opinion, by looking at these things and understanding. Like we are underneath these stars, and they do tell you something. They really do, mm-hmm. and they will show you insight into your own growth. But it's also just from that lens. But there mm-hmm. is an objective astrology too, which is just the placement of your plants. Wow. Well, 
I hate to sound like Sam Tripoli, but dude, you just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool, man. That is so interesting. Wow. Man, this has been awesome, dude. I can't believe it's almost been two hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> man, uh, well, thanks for coming by, dude. I'm so glad we got to talk, and I hope that you'll come back on. Oh, definitely. I, yeah. I mean, th this is what I do. I like to, I told you, like, it's like, like, uh, apparently this is my opportunity to share what I, what I, I have to share. So any opportunity I can, you know, as long as it's still out there, like I want to go and do, we didn't even talk about the Susquehanna mystery, my friend. Oh, this yeah. was a lot. This was a lot of fun. Um, can, can I take a minute and tell folks where they could find some of my stuff? absolutely take all the time you need man all the time i need all right so th so this is cool this is cool so um uh like i like to make stuff like that's my favorite thing to do is i make stuff i'm really really good at making stuff um but the stuff which i'm going to go and sell you right now is not stuff i made their t-shirts so i just opened up a t-shirt <laughs> shop so let me see if you can see this can you see this t-shirt right here can you see that logo yeah that's cool man the guys like on a boat like going across yeah oh that's yeah cool. so that's so that that's one of the characters I like to play, Johnny Wan, the uh, uh, the epic time traveler. So I just opened up a T-shirt shop. I've got like four different awesome friggin' T-shirt designs. Actually, no, I got six. I've got all of this great art on there. So uh, people want to go and like get some cool swag stuff, like that sort of stuff. Like the more that I, the more that like people like you and me can be supported, the more we can put this information out, and we have more time to focus on it. So it's like mm -hmm. it's called currency. It's meaningless money. It's got no value. You can never have wealth in it. It's called currency for one reason, because it's meant to be in motion. It's meant to follow the current. And so this is one of the, as long as we're in the system, we all have to do this. It's like, that's, that's how economists measure. Like, that's how you really measure the health of an economy is it's called mm -hmm. the velocity of money, how quickly it moves. And so it's like, folks, we got to move some money. So it's like, get me some shirts, go to, uh, it's Susquehanna out. Just go to my website, SusquehannaAlchemy.com, and you'll be able to find all the shirts there. Uh, I also do a whole bunch of one-on-one -on -one services, and you can find my services there as well on the website. I've got a whole bunch of good stuff, um, a lot of fun. Um, YouTube, I put out a lot of videos on YouTube. I go into this. The, the videos are excellent because I've got a lot of visuals, and so I talk about these ideas, and there's one thing to hear it, but when you can see what we're talk talking about, it makes a little bit more sense. And then also, if uh, you want to support, support the work or if you want to get a little bit deeper, you go to Subscribestar. I've got a Susquehanna Alchemy channel there, too. So just remember Susquehanna Alchemy, uh, whether .com, YouTube, or, um, or uh, Subscribestar, and people can find me there. Also Instagram as well, but basically all I do for that nowadays is just like post uh, um, when I got new material, but it, if you're curious, go back and look at the earlier stuff. I used to put out some really, really good stuff. Cool, man. Yeah, man. And I will post all your links. I might have to email you to get a couple of them, but uh, yeah, I'll go send, I'll send you an email. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll put all those in the show notes and I would just suggest people check out your work and man, check out his, his work on the Susquehanna river is unbelievable. It'll blow your mind. And he's already blew our mind, but uh, th that is such fascinating research, my man. So 
Thank you so much, man. And I hope that you'll come back soon and we'll stay in touch. But um, definitely, definitely do. This was a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to everybody. Like, you know, I feel like I'm coming into someone else's home. So like, you know, I, I try to be a gracious guest. This was uh, this was fun for me. I like the personal talk uh, all around. This was an excellent spend of the two hours. So thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And yeah, just hit me with those emails and I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, guys, that was my show with Michael One from Susquehanna Alchemy. Please check out his research, his work. All his links will be in the show notes. And that was just kind of a casual conversation for the most part. And I appreciate those type of shows because the people can get used to one another, get to know one another and be honest. And it's just like a couple of guys sitting around having a couple beers and kind of talking about ideas. And that's what we need to do more and more. But uh I appreciate also his honesty there at the end. You know, he makes his living talking about alchemy and astrology and astrotheology. But he was brutally honest in saying, hey, this is of value to your life. This is what he believes. It's it's of value to your life, but it's not scientific and it's not real. Which I really appreciate because I've done those other shows on astrotheology kind of aimed more towards Jordan Maxwell and his ilk and the things that they have kind of lied on and twisted. And, you know, Michael is not like that. He's different, as you can tell. And so I would suggest you check out his research. Uh, His research on the Susquehanna River is just amazing. It's really interesting. So I appreciate him being on once again. And I appreciate you listening. I thank you for your support, as always. I thank my patrons. And in fact, that show has been up for about a week on my Patreon with the video and the audio. So if you want the shows about a week early, usually, then become a patron. Become a member of the Society of Cryptic Savants. I appreciate any help you can give me. Uh, Also, please share the show if you get a chance and leave me a good review if you don't mind. It really helps because we're fighting against all this corporate censorship, GovCorp censorship. And it's tough to compete with these bigger shows. Not that I you know, wish them any harm or anything like that, but they have sponsors and they have their ways of making money and getting the word out. And I'm a terrible businessman. And I kind of would like to do it the no agenda way. And that's value for value. So, you know, It sounds like a cliche, but it's true. Uh, Like Adam Curry says, if you get value out of this show or other shows, toss them a little change, you know, give them a little bit of money because this is our time and time is money. And, you know, it's tough to make it out there. And it really is. If you don't do a show, it takes a lot of time to do a show. And just for interviewing somebody, it doesn't take as much time as like putting together a show that you're doing by yourself. And those are actually my kind of favorite type of shows, but they're they're so time consuming. So I do spend quite a bit of time editing the show usually, even when I just interview someone. But anyway, I appreciate your support. Thank you guys for talking with me online. Thank you for listening to The Boiler Room and checking out Alternate Current Radio, my friends there. Thank you to the Social Rejects Club and everyone out there. And I hope you have a great weekend.
Cheers and blessings to you and your family and your loved ones. And remember, their order is not our order. See you guys.